When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, and welcome to From Queer to Eternity, a podcast exploring what it means to us to be queer. My name's Scott Hancock, and every episode I'll be chatting to a different guest from the LGBTQ community, talking about their lives, experiences, and what queerness means to them and hopefully discovering just how much we all have in common. Due to the nature of these conversations, certain themes, phrases or experiences discussed may be upsetting for some of our listeners, but generally we're here to celebrate queerness in all its forms and have a good time sharing our stories. This episode, I'll be chatting with... Luyanda Onati Lewis Nyawo. Thank you so much for coming and chatting with us. Sure. I'm going to begin by asking you a question I ask all our guests. Which is, what does the word queer mean to you? Oh, wow, that's a big question. It is. <laughs> um, I think queer means anything that kind of lives outside of the cishet kind of patriarchal normative view of what is uh, just, what has a right to be, um, or what way of life one is allowed to choose. And I know that's rather big and vague, but I think that that allows greater freedom for just people to express themselves and live in a way that is true to themselves and their higher self. That's a brilliant answer, especially for this time of the morning. I literally just got up. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. It's fine. (laughs) Now I'm just having a sip of coffee. So that's your definition of queer. Yeah. How would you define yourself? Oh, that's that's very tricky. I think I think over the years that definition has shifted and changed. Um, probably, I remember myself having sort of queer experiences or sensations or feelings from a very sort of young age, mm. and then I first identified as bisexual. Then I identified as lesbian for a while, but I think just men were irritating me. <laughs> they do that. <laughs> they do that. And and then over the years, it's become far more fluid and the more that I've and the more that the world has kind of just opened up and people kind of just discussing what that means for them it's way more fluid because if you sort of define for the sake of this response if you define bisexuality by saying that one is attracted to either um, AFAB or um, uh, AMAB um, folks then um, that's really limiting for me because I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily care about the package in a way that isn't insulting to anybody else. Do you know what I mean? It's the individual, I imagine. It's the, that you're... Yeah, 
Yeah. It's the, yeah, it's the individual that I'm interested in. And I don't really like labels. <laughs> no. So I, so I guess I'm kind of, but I am flirting with the term in terms of, in terms of finding like a shorthand to be able to communicate um, how I define myself as queer to other people. I would say pansexual. I think that's the, cl- that's the one that kind of encompasses what I mean more holistically. And I guess I'm currently right now working through not having judgment about that for myself, because I find that sometimes, especially if you are, you know, attracted to sort of cishet men as well, for whatever reason, um, <laughs> it's complicated. It's not a choice, I promise you. <laughs> um, you then, you then kind of, I, I find that I have sort of feelings about doubt around my queerness because then I technically quote unquote pass as as a sort of cis normative individual um because I because I present as female but even then I'm still I, I like unraveling questions about myself about what is masculinity and what is femininity and how do those two things exist in me and and yeah it's a, it's a big question because I don't have any straight answers for you just to go back uh, more generally, just talking about sort of your childhood and upbringing. What was what was that like? Oh, my childhood and upbringing was um, what you would call a sort of um, sort of in a nuclear family sort of style. Um, however, I was raised by my grandmother, um, which is quite a common practice in African families um, in the Eastern Cape, where my parents sort of worked and set up their lives in Mpumalanga. So I kind of spent a lot of time with um, my elders. Yeah, my my like my childhood with my grand was absolutely glorious and and I, I miss her very fondly I miss her a great deal rather and yeah it was interesting culturally because I was brought up because because you were living in a post-colonial country right hmm. you have to always toe these kind of dualities of your Africanness and your African heritage as well as the adopted kind of Eurocentric view of living and religion and spirituality and culture and we're always kind of finding like a, a middle line between that like my mother is very Christian but also practices ancestral worship so there's always this kind of duality so I think I was quite comfortable with having multiple frames of reference of self from quite a a young age. And then sort of like, you know, fast forward a little bit into my sort of adolescence and teen years when I started exploring my sexuality more. I went to a very, very, uh, very... hoity-toity uh, school in Grahamstown called Kings of College at Sister Schools in Bath, last colonial outpost of the British Empire. And that was a that was a very kind of, um, I won't necessarily say draconian, but strict kind of rigid form where I remember some, there were some queer, there was a queer couple who were beginning to explore themselves in that space. And the school clamped down on them, man. Like it was, it was because a a because it was happening in the in the in the um, girls' dormitory um, hostel. So that you know that kind of they didn't have any ways to police that because you know it's 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 one thing when the boys live on one side of the campus mm. and the girls live on the other, and you're like, okay, that's separated. But now if they're all going to start fraternizing with each other, what on earth do you do? <laughs> How did they find out? Was it just they were quite open or? I have no idea. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like pulling from memory. I don't really, I can't really remember how they found out, but I, I think it was because they were just openly kind of discovering something. Mm. And to, 
to, it wouldn't even be a trained eye, what does that mean? But to anyone's damn eye, you could see that there was something beyond um, the platonic developing. And I think that made a lot of people uncomfortable. And they, I mean, they had to police it because there are certain rules, no fraternizing with people in a, in a, not necessarily romantic, but sexual manner on campus, right? There's that rule you have to maintain. But then how do you go about dealing with young people who are discovering the, their queerness? And I think it was absolutely mishandled. But um, then after that, I went to a, a liberal arts high school, the National School of the Arts, which was night and day. I kind of remember rocking, turning up with my school uniform, absolutely immaculate, uh, my school skirt like below the knee, polished shoes, because that's what I was kind of used to. Mm. And it was just this whole wild world of artists and dancers and actors and musicians um, from varying backgrounds, varying um, uh, class backgrounds, uh, with vari- various experiences of their queerness. And that wasn't policed in the same way I think we, there was a hell of a lot more freedom it was it was it was kind of wild and that's when I started being like oh I can begin to start discovering myself a bit here and I first entered into a relationship I think about a year and a bit of being there in uh, with a woman with my first girlfriend and it was interesting because again because of the sort of rigid um, institutional rules of no um, uh, intimate fraternizing in inside dormitories and whatnot. There was a sense that the older teachers, like the like the older house mistresses and masters, really wanted to separate us and really found this. I remember <laughs> our old housemaster yelling at us in a meeting, bringing us into a meeting and shouting, "I do not put a stamp of approval on this relationship." <laughs> But then also there was a sense that I couldn't necessarily communicate this relationship to my family. And they really just thought that um, she was my friend. Although my mother always kind of knew. Like, my mother's not. She's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, with my mum, I feel like I could have open an open dialogue with her. Whereas with my dad, I don't think that that's anything I would ever be able to admit. And even to this day, when I speak to my mum quite openly about that, about my sexuality, there is... There is a sense that I can't broach that subject in an open way with my father. Let's say. I suppose if you were if you were talking about a cishead relationship, oh, that's that fine. would be easier. Yeah. Um, but then again, that also wasn't necessarily that easy because of the cultural practice of Lamola and like we can't necessarily start cohabitating and it was all this kind of strange thing. And there were other like there were I mean that's not um that's that's a that's a very specific experience to me. It's not a it's not a it's not a general thing. But I think that there were also just other. My dad is a is a quintessential Zulu man, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there are certain values that are um upheld and and my queerness would probably fly in the face of everything that he understands to be true and 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 in the face of um, a lot of what my mother understands to be true but um i think that they are still very open people and they always express love for me like there's i've never lost love because i've spoken about my queerness to my family well to my mother in particular what's lovely is is chatting to you is you're you're clearly very confident and everything like that and yet when you talk about those experiences and you know culturally things being policed i mean as a, as a teen growing up queer and coming to terms with those feelings and and experiences how does that make you feel about yourself when you're seeing it i suppose not tolerated in the same way that a, a heterosexual relationship would have been I mean, the thing is, Scott, they picked the wrong one, you know. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, I, I, and it, and it's and it's I, and I'll and I'll kind of latch onto your to, to part of your question in there in that like because I am quite a forthright, fairly confident individual, mm. I will push back. And I guess for me, my personal experience of that was then, well, if you don't want me to be um, queer in my own personal private space, well, I'm going to make it a public affair then. <laughs> then everybody's going to have to deal with my queerness <laughs> at all times and we'll see how you like it. Um, and especially when I was a teenager, good God, I was half a leather. You know, so I'm, 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 I'm genuinely shocked I'm alive. Like, I'm like, how did I survive that? So you never had any apprehension about coming out or anything like that? You were just, this is who I am? Yeah, not, 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 in, not in spaces. I would say apprehension about coming out would have probably lived in my familial spaces more than it lived in the general public. And obviously you experience pushback about um, in regards to that, you know, people respond to, you know, men catcalling you if you're holding hands, men catcalling you in general. But, you know, that kind of experience is always there. But I think I always came from, um, I've grown now, so now I try and like contain my inner peace a lot more than fighting back against something that is honestly just draining my own energy. But um, I would I would fight back. And sometimes <laughs> fists were involved. I can picture it. <laughs> sometimes genuinely fists were involved. So, so um, I, I guess that for me was my kind of experience of navigating policing. I just got louder mm. and louder and even more queer and then then the piercings came out and then like you know my whole identity not that i was not you know not that i was listening to like nine inch nails and rock music to, as a as a as an act of rebellion i genuinely enjoyed those things and i genuinely enjoy body art and that kind of stuff but i think it was just well like then i'm going to be the expression of myself i'm going to ultimate i'm going to completely embody myself because i think from a young age i understood that it's sort of my life. Yes. Yeah. And I have to make those decisions for myself. And I would always push a little bit. Like I got one lip piercing and then mum was like, I'll disown you. And I was like, is that true? And then I got another <laughs> one. And then, you know, she's still my mum. So, you know, um, so by the way, you know, she wasn't my friend. She was my girlfriend. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. I, I knew that. Okay, cool. By the way, I'm sort of, you know, I'm pansexual. Okay, that's a And, you know, just like na- getting her to navigate through that and having uncomfortable conversations with family, you know. and. Mm. And because it's, it's you're dealing with a different generation, and I suppose my communication style now in 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 trying to reach those people in my family, in my close circles, is just trying to make sure that they comprehend something. And then if it gets to a point where, especially when it comes to like close family, where you've got to navigate, how do I keep you in my life, even though you may have some problematic views, and how do we move forward? while I can still live my truth. And for me, that's just, I, I'm, I just won't be silenced. I like, I'd, there's a certain point where, yes, I will absolutely keep the peace, hmm. but I just, I'll just speak openly <laughs> about anything. <laughs> as, as a, you know, as a pansexual woman, yeah. what sort of prejudice have you received from both, I suppose, straight or gay people? Is it that sense of, well, you're just being greedy? I mean, I think initially, you know, people will kind of go, well, you, you need to make a choice. And I'm like, well, I have actively made a choice. And mm. my choice early on, my, my responsibility, well, my choice is both, right? 
And obviously now that framework needs to change because both is binary, right? So like um, my cho- my choice is connection, um, individual, um, spiritual energy, like, like mm. you know, like safe space. Those, the, the more that what I think is a good and healthy relationship becomes clearer and defined through me through lots of heartbreak and, and blood, sweat and tears, the more sort of like superfluous details kind of fall away like about it like I don't really care and I guess in terms of answering your question um yeah you do experience pushback I found that in the lesbian community you're kind of treated as a as a tourist and nobody sort of kind of takes you seriously um for a while until you until you've kind of got to earn your stripes in a way is it just being on the scene for a while and people start Mm. to recognize you or I think it's I think it's just people just genuinely getting to know you and being on the scene for a while. And I guess and I guess, you know, I was going through that experience quite young with a number of other people who were going through that experience quite young and people coming to terms with, oh, just because it's a relationship with another woman, let's say, doesn't mean it's going to be healthier than a relationship with another man. You know, it's mm. um, pe- misconceptions about what it means to be in relationship with others in general, that people do, people are all on their own personal journey about that. But I think it is just being on the scene a bit and then people just getting to know you and also just understanding for yourself that people are going to hold their own preconceived notions about about what your label means. But as long as you know what that means for you, then then, you know, that's that's all you can hold on to. And then on the flip side, well, as a woman, I find that it's a desirable trait amongst men, as in they see it as you're sexually adventurous. Like it's always it's always framed around sex, around the validity of your sexual prowess. The connection uh, means nothing. It's just purely yeah. a physical thing. Rather. Yeah, yeah. I found uh, I've, I've had loads of friends who um, who are bisexual and have sort of cishet male partners who are. And, and and there's no shame in this, but who are more comfortable with them having, you know, um, sexual relations. They, they, they don't consider che- it cheating if you go out and sleep with another woman. And I'm just like, hmm, are you? <laughs> it's a strange, okay. I okay. suppose, male fantasy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It has it has been highly 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 sexualized, and 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 with things like polyamory um opening up more clearly on the scene and that being discussed in a bigger way, I think we are discussing what this nature of relationship and this nature of connection is and what that means as opposed to right we're shackled then two and a half kids buy a house. It's more you know people are starting to unpack that sort of patriarchal view of what connecting is in a broader sense, which I am in. Enjoying. I'm here for it. All of these things are on a on a spectrum. Just because I'm with a man, let's say, it doesn't mean that like I now think that I have a, like a, a, a past to be with a woman mm. or or a, a transgender person or you know or non-binary person. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden because if you if you view it in that way, you're just negating. You're 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 rendering us to our sexual organs and our base impulses, and I think that we're better than that. I found it interesting what you said early on as well about um, almost feeling a bit invisible or lost if you are in a cishet relationship because you pass. Yeah, like I, I, I found that like when I was in a cishet relationship, I would almost avoid going to Pride. <laughs> 
did you did you feel you were somehow I, I, I don't know being disloyal <laughs> yeah like it's not it's not my space anymore if I'm in this if I'm on this side of the fence now that's no longer my space do you know what I mean and I feel like I'm intruding I feel like if I went there with my partner it would kind of be like this massive like up yours to everyone mm. and I don't know and I and, and that and I think that comes from all over the community outside of it inside of it um, and also inside of myself, like that now has absolutely kind of changed because I think you just have to be quite, there's a lot of static, right? And a lot of mm. external noise that you need to sift through and just sort of listen to yourself and go, no, I am queer. Um, I am pansexual, regardless of what my relationship status looks like. Mm. That is an identifying factor of me. I am not identified through others, Right. And once I accepted that, then I was like, well, okay, cool. I'm going to Pride. <laughs> yeah. Hello, I'm Justin. And I'm Lucy. And together we are the hosts of Plenty Questions. It's a very straightforward general knowledge quiz. We ask you 20 questions, one after the other, five second gap in between, and you shout the answers out. And then you tweet us to let us know how you've got on. See if you can get 20 out of 20. No one has so far, but that's because we haven't started doing it yet. Mm, but we will. Uh, and there's also going to be some fiendish brain teasers. So join us for Plenty, Plenty Questions. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. How much did you embrace the scene? when you came out and how long did it sort of take you to be comfortable with it? Oh, I love the scene. I love meeting new people and talking nonsense for hours um, in the sun. So like for me, that was that just tapped into like my my sort of social butterfly energy. Right. I was just kind of going from party to party, group to group, event to event and just really forming strong connections with people within within the scene and and also kind of. I, I also find this term like scene really strange. You know, I I understand that we, 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 we because of what's happened historically and societally, we've had to kind of like all over the world, right, galvanize into safe spaces. And I guess this is coming from a position of privilege in that because I was in generally sort of middle class to upper middle class spaces, even in South Africa and here, I don't necessarily feel that threat as 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 acutely as someone who has a different experience to me. And because I was as also as a woman kind of raised really to be quite forthright, encouraged to, to do quote unquote masculine things like learn kickboxing, um, learn how to fire a gun, um, learn how to defend myself, like, you know, doing boy stuff. I also find whenever I kind of speak to queer folks about like their experience of feeling threatened 
in 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 sort of non in sort of cis spaces. Sorry, I don't necessarily have that experience because maybe it might be foolhardy of me, but I just think I'm going to punch them in the throat. If they try anything with me, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so 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 I guess like I, I'm trying to answer the questions from inside of my lived experience, and my lived experience is is that I find I know why the scenes are there. But you don't feel you need it as the safe space. I don't feel that I need it as the safe space as much. And I genuinely hope that that sensation is never threatened. Do you know what I mean? Mm. In that, like, nobody ever comes and and teaches me a lesson and shows me otherwise. Um, because I know that that is incredibly possible and totally likely. And like, I'm like a Jack Russell. I think I can fight everything. And that's not true. <laughs> Talking about different environments, how have you found the queer experience in, say, South Africa compared to the UK? I think South Africa is still quite a religious country. Hmm. Are you religious yourself? Mm, I'm more spiritual in that I practice ancestral worship. Right. Um, and I navigate that for myself. Uh, I try and unpack my old sort of African traditions that were stripped away from us during the colonial uh, era. So I do that's a deliberate act on my part um, in that it is spiritual, but also a political one. So, again, it's more a personal faith rather than a practiced religion. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think that in Southern Africa, there is, there is, there's still an incredibly long way to go. We do have one of the most, uh, progressive constitutions in the world, mm. but in terms of how that is upheld in day-to-day lives, in the general public, with things like corrective rape happening on such a frequent, um, at such a frequent rate, people just not understanding queerness mm. at all. There is a big community, absolutely, it's out, it's loud and it's proud and it's um, defending itself. But then you also have to consider that South Africa is a country that is ravaged by the scars of apartheid and the scars of classism because of that. So then you also have the experience of navigating, oh, these are the white queer spaces and these are the black queer spaces. And you know what I mean? Like hmm. it, 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 it's, there's, oh, it's, it's such a... <laughs> It's such a complex thing, and I don't, and I, and I'm absolutely like. Thank goodness, queerness is so simple. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I'm not necessarily uh, like an academic on the on this sort of subject, but I can just this. I'll, I'll use this event by way of example. We've got our Pride March. And one year, a group of queer black women were protesting corrective rape um, at the essentially asking the greater queer community in Southern Africa to also to, to speak up for them for allyship. Mm. And so they were protested at the Pride March and um, the sort of organisers of the march uh, tend to be white, upper middle class, upper middle class folk. And they, yeah, they made a human barricade on Jan Smuts Avenue, I think it was. And the way that they were received, for it, you know, for doing that, for asking for that space inside of that event was, was really disheartening. It's a curious thing, prejudice within the community, because you think we've all experienced prejudice and, and that fear of ourselves and that desire for acceptance. And you sort of think it, it, it's strange when you see people within those sort of communities unable to empathise. 
I know, I know, and I and I guess it's just, it's just um it's just a reminder that just because you're queer doesn't necessarily mean that you have all you're all of a sudden you know the ultimate savior and and understander of all things of bigotry. It, it, it like it doesn't it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you are the sage high priestess of bigotry, um and you get a pass from not checking your other unconscious biases and doing the work within that you know yeah there's there's the experience of um black people in 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 the queer space experience of asian people in the queer space pocs in general um women in the queer space you know the sort of lesbian and 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 Mm. gay divide if you will and then on top of that then the trans experience in the queer space when you're like well what (laughs) guys (laughs) guys We're all here trying to do the same thing. Can we just have a meeting and get on the same page? You need to be in charge of it. You're getting <laughs> no. sorted in a day. <laughs> no, I, no it, I would absolutely get stressed out. But I think it's just kind of going, we're all kind of fighting against the same target. And the target is, 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 is a patriarchal, colonial, cis-heteronormative view that is not only harmful to the queer community, but harmful to heteronormative folks as well. It's harmful to all of us. And in terms of the UK then, do you find it is more accepting or those sort of divides still exist, but slightly less visibly? So having moved over here and coming from a country where I am in the physical majority to one where I'm in the minority was like a sort of mental shift that I had to make and took about a year and a half. Wow. It, it, It had to take like another major international event for people to, to, for me to then realize that, oh, you know, POCs are creating their own safe queer spaces as well. Mm. and have been doing so for quite some time so that's how i kind of see it sort of like from above i'm like okay but if there are queer like i i love gay more power to gay i do love a a good gay night but i find that space incredibly white and um there are other events that i then attend to get that sense of oh there are other folk other folk like me here and i feel safe in that so and you know that's no fault of the space right you know people gravitate to what they gravitate towards but um i think that there is a greater conversation to be had but i don't know how to go about that <laughs> no it's a difficult one I, I, but then events like pride do seem to be more inclusive generally i suppose yeah, I think, well, I think they are by their very nature in that they're held in public space, right? Yes. Like it's, it's, it's that public versus private and, and everybody kind of feels like they have an ownership to that space. And I'm absolutely not saying that things like, you know, trans pride marches or POC pride marches shouldn't happen. They should. But I guess I want to kind of bed down into what necessitated this. Mm. Why didn't it feel open enough that pride felt open for all queer spaces do you know what i mean like yeah, i know I, I, I know that they're, they're adding more colors to the flag and the work is happening but what I, just I, i'm happy that they exist but what necessitated it and can we unravel that that's it it feels like there's a slight vacuum that as you say communities are filling themselves but you said all want everyone to come together and just go yeah we're fighting the same fight <laughs> i know and, and that might be you know juvenile or or idealistic of me and i understand that as well you know absolutely understand that i and the cynic in me goes oh well you know people are people but i just i don't know is 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 there an opportunity for us to kind of do better can we come out of this kind of you know isolation and hopefully opportunity for 
self-reflection. And again, that is a very privileged statement to make um, because, you know, some people have just been keeping the lights on, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, absolutely. I understand that I'm speaking from a position of privilege in that I can, you know, take up a meditation practice in the middle of a global pandemic. But I guess for those of us who have had that space, can we take on the baton? Can we do a bit more work? Can we go, okay, while you're keeping the lights on, we're going to create safer spaces for you? Like, can can we share the load <laughs> can, mm. can, a little bit more equitably? Can Because, you know... Sort of historically, I just get, and I'm speaking in very general broad strokes here, but I get the sense that it's always been the lower like classes who eventually have to like rally for things. And and I and I find that... Mm. Well, it's always been the way it's people pulling the ladder up after them, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm like, well, what? No, build an elevator, send it back down. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's, there's mm. enough for kind, there's enough for all of us. And this idea that you've got to fight for your little scrap of space is a falsehood generated by the patriarchal colonial institution that we shouldn't be listening to. You're playing into their hands. Um, speaking of institutions, <laughs> I'm fascinated as well, because obviously you're an actor and performer. And I think everybody thinks um, the arts are wonderfully liberal and inclusive. Yeah. And in many ways they are. But I just yeah. wondered what your experience is of working in the arts as a, as a queer performer. I mean, there's... Yeah, I mean, there's like, there's sort of, I don't have any identifiable, what, I don't, yeah, what, what is, what is, what, what identifies someone as queer? Another big question, the one that well, you I asked me initially. I, I, I suppose, <laughs> yeah. I suppose what I'm uh, yeah, reading it, towards yeah. is sort yeah. of representation in the arts. I mean, I suppose, ah, okay. particularly because queer representation generally mm. Mm. in the media mm. isn't uh, proportional. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose bisexual, pansexual representation is even more reduced. Yeah, I mean, I mean, generally, like either outside of being asked to gender bend, like play the other gender, which I think, like, on occasion, as like um, as a thing, the industry gets excited about, mm. which which I sincerely appreciate. I think it's um. I think it is kind of, especially when it comes to the classics, for God's sake, we don't, you know, Hamlet can be played by anyone. Julius Caesar can be played by anyone. It doesn't matter. No one cares. It's, it yeah, was, there's, it was a, there's a distinction so... there that, yes, you're playing traditionally male parts rather than being asked to play a male yeah. character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And and then there's the whole like kind of dialogue around that and the old school and new school. But I mean, at this point, I'm just like, I'm a, I'm of the school of I love Shakespeare, but I'm I'm bored. Guys, is, is, there, is there anything else? I mean, I love it, but I'm bored. Like, mm. great. Thumbs up, Shakespeare. Excellent. Any other playwrights? Even from the period. I'll take I'll take anyone. Do a Faust. Female Faust. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll take I'll take anything. <laughs> like if I have to see like Romeo and Juliet or Macbeth or something again, I'm going to scream. <laughs> Um, and I was in Macbeth. <laughs> but I do think when it comes to queer representation, there's a long way to go. Mm. And I think what always happens around topics surrounding representation is that the work goes out, right? And there's, so I, won't, I won't call it a cabal because that, that has some kind of like weird negative connotation. But 
the industry operates on the same kind of toxic uh, value systems as the as any other industry, really. Hmm. You know, those who are at the top for whatever reason and usually for their talent, and that's great. Like, no more more power to you. Like, I'm not coming for the individual artist. I'm speaking about the actual institutions and things we kind of need to bake away from. Is that um, you know, it always comes down to profit. Yeah. So if you're gonna do love the national. But if you're going to do a production of Angels in America, you're going to want a full, like, top-notch cast in that, right? Because you, yeah. you want to sell it and you've got tickets. And we all appreciate that. But, like, when you're beginning to... Representation is such an important thing because when you see yourself in someone and when and and when young queer actors or autistic actors or whatever the case may be see mm. somebody achieving something it, it it says yes you can do this and it lightens the spiritual load in terms of trying to pursue something so for me i think that not enough is being done in those spaces i've seldom uh, uh, received uh, a a brief for queer characters i think i received one of my first ones late last year Mm. And I want to see more of it, and I want to see and 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 I guess it's a tricky thing because who has the right to portray? Who has the right to tell people's stories? Right? It's also a difficult one for casting because how do you know an actor's gay unless you know them socially? You're not. Yeah, no one's declaring it like that's that would also make it really weird, right? If you're like you must declare your sexuality on spotlight, that would be a bit bizarre. Mm. I think that a greater effort needs to be made. I think you can have those conversations and find ways to have those conversations in space, in private, in the casting rooms, to understand someone's background a little bit better. No, there's that weird sense that to portray, you know, a gay or trans character, if you're not, is somehow brave, but no one ever focuses on, you know... Living as a gay, gay or trans straight. person. Well, yes. <laughs> Just actually living it, you know, and, and like, and, and I'm a... I'm a firm believer in, yes, obviously we're all actors, darling, and we, we embody and we, you know, we, that's, that's the craft. But also, but also when it comes to representation, I think we need to challenge ourselves to do better. We need to, we need to create spaces in, inside of the industry and more spaces and we need to be rigorous and that's going to be awkward and uncomfortable and hard for a while. But I think it'll only serve us better in the end. Yes, when the ratio of queer parts is... Yeah, I, yeah. Guess, that's, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Until the status quo has been resolved, until there is equity within the industry as a standard between queer representation, peer, POC representation, representation mm. of cishet stories, representation of, disability, of white everything, stories, yeah. disab disability, all of it. Until there is parity of access, then we have to do the work. Mm. Otherwise, we'll never get to parity. Because I'm all like, okay, cool, you can, you can tell the story, but... But do you understand that you are removing space and opportunity from somebody else when you do that? Because there isn't parity. Yeah. And that's not, and for me, that's kind of not okay. Like, I know if I received a brief, although I've got bills to pay, but, you know. But, <laughs> it, it, yeah, I'm about to, I'm going to just be honest, it would depend on the paycheck. Like, if I received a brief for a trans male role, hmm. I would most likely decline it. Because... I don't know. I mean, I can throw all, like, not because of my acting skill. I know that I could throw Michael Chekhov technique at that and, and tell and do it beautifully. That's fine. I have confidence in my technical prowess, mm. my ability as an actor and my ability to connect. But I don't think that that is a space I should occupy in the current climate. 
if if that brief arrived at me when there was parity, that's a different story, right? Yeah, that's my long-winded odds. <laughs> Looking back through your sort of feels so long. <laughs> <laughs> How much more of this? Bloody hell! Sorry. <laughs> No, no, not, say, not the interview. My oh, right. life <laughs> just feels like it's taken forever. We all feel like that in lockdown, yeah. don't worry. Yeah. yeah. Um, but how long do you think it took to be sort of truly comfortable with yourself? Or are you still discovering things that surprise you? I think I'm still discovering things. And I think that's one of the beauties. Uh, I, think, I think for me, it became less of an internal combat when I, when I released the desire to know categorically. Mm. and just kind of go well this is going to be fluid for myself in life at all times that's fine there is there is i think that um we live in a society a very sort of uh, quite a scientific based society we were like we must know mm. um i must be able to label myself i must be able to categorize myself i must be able to go yes i am that box ticked but i have no idea do you know what I mean? I'm just winging it like the rest of y'all. We don't, I don't know. <laughs> and and I'm okay with not knowing. Um, I think I'm just going to allow myself to experience my life and my relationships with as much open honesty, um, co- communication and focus on comprehension as I can. Um, so as not to do much harm in the world. And that's it. That's all I got for you. I'm winging it. I don't know. <laughs> And I think that's such a lovely note to end on. Thank you so much for chatting with me. It's been so eye-opening and so much fun. Yeah, it's been a great time. I've enjoyed this. Yay! This is fun. <laughs> thank you again to Anati for taking the time to chat with me today. And thank you to everyone who's been listening to our podcast so far and getting in touch. You can still follow us on Twitter and Instagram by seeking out our handle at queer to eternity We'll be back next time with a brand new episode. Don't forget to let us know what you think. And thanks again for listening. Hello, I'm Tom, and I make a podcast where I log in to celebrities' Amazon accounts. It's called... What a brilliant idea for a pod. There's no original pods out there anymore, but this genuinely is. Thanks, Ben Bailey-Smith. Anyway, it's called... This is good, isn't it? It's clever, this podcast. You should do more. Thanks, Kerry Godleyman. It's called... This is such a great idea, by the way. What a great podcast. Shappi Corsander, you're too kind. The podcast is called... It's biographical. You can get all sorts of information out of people. This is a very good idea. Thank you, Nick Helm. It's called My Mate Bought a Toaster. I'm going to listen to this podcast. Thanks, Alex Horn. Can you tell your friends? When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.